following is a special presentation of the Mars Attacks podcast, member of Talking Metal Digital. Hey, what's happening? This is Tommy Victor from Prong and Danzig and Ministry. Hey, this is Russ Lyle from Symphony X. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owen. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiskut. Hey, this is Kurt Winston of Down, of Crowbar, and Kingdom of Sorrow. Hey, everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attack. Hey, this is Chuck Billy. Bobby Blitz from Overkill. Hi, this is Chris Poland. Hey, this is John Oliva, and you are listening to Mars Attack, so crank it up. Hi, this is the Doug Spada of UDO, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. This is Vinny Apsey from Kill Devil Hill, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Let's do it! You're about to embark on a journey that will start in the present and take you back in time, hitting on music from today and jumping back 10 years at a time. Welcome to Decades on Mars Attacks. Here is your host, Victor. Welcome, one and all, to the rebirth of Mars Attacks, per se. We've been away for a while, and joining me is the man that helped me sort of, or that sort of gave me the proverbial kick in the ass to do this five years ago, uh, Mr. Mark Striegel. How are you, Mark? Good, Victor. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Hanging in there, trying to uh, get the podcasting back up and moving. Um, Definitely. I have been away for a little bit, not because I wanted to, but just because other things going on just sort of kept me away. So Yeah, and, and we won't get too deep into that, but guys, Victor is going to be returning to Mars Attacks, we hope, on a regular basis or semi-regular basis because he has been away for a little while but a lot of a lot of stuff going on with you victor personally again which we won't get too deeply into right now but you had an injury you're you're moving you're you're you know a lot of work done on the new house so you know two two little boys uh, a lot of craziness going on with with victor but listen as a fan of mars attacks victor i'm hoping you can get back on a regular schedule because uh, we miss these podcasts that you do for us. Yeah, and that's the, that's the idea. That's the plan. I have everything sort of laid out uh, so that uh, the new Mars Attacks, which will take the show in, in a slightly different direction than uh, where it's been in the past, I, I think it will be a nice fit with uh, how Talking Metal Digital is laid out and how... Uh, Talking Metal and definitely one-on-one uh, -on -one with Mitch and the Metal Rap show is, is sort of set up. I, I think the uh, at least my thought going forward is to provide something that will supplement all of that and will get people interested not only listening to all of those shows but also coming over and listening to what I do instead of you know uh, hearing me cover a topic that you guys are already covering right uh, on a much larger scale so right on and and you mentioned talking metal digital so just to let your listeners know and remind everybody mars attacks is part of talking metal digital i like that that sounds better and the other shows that are part of talking metal digital are talking rock which i just posted a new episode of that i would love to get that going on a regular basis Talking Metal, which every Tuesday a new episode of Talking Metal goes up. One-on-one -on -one with Mitch LaFon, which goes up whenever, usually bi-weekly, sometimes three times a week. And <laughs> Metal Raps. So definitely subscribe to all these shows on iTunes. You can check them out on TalkingMetal.com. And, of course, Victor has his own site, MarsAttacksRadio.com. Show your support for what Victor is doing with a PayPal donation or use some of his links that he has up there, his uh, sponsor links and affiliate links on MarsAttacksRadio.com. So uh, you were also a part of another podcasting family called the Cast Iron Ring, right? Is that still going? What's the What's the status with that? Mars Attacks is exclusively on Talking Metal Digital due to the fact I like that, that. I like uh, that. <laughs> due to the fact that the cast iron ring is is no more. Uh, That's too bad. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Uh, I think in the end, we did nurture a lot of great friendships between uh, the various podcasting hosts. Uh, I've had Scott from Focus on Metal 
on Mars Attacks in the past, and, and no doubt that I'll have a few of uh, the former co-hosts of uh, the Cast Iron Ring podcast on Mars Attacks in the future to help fill out some of the shows. What so, were the other shows? I was Bob Nobandian's uh, show on there. Yeah, he his his three podcasts, his both of his Shockwaves uh, podcasts. Oh, I thought that was so. That's still going on. Shockwaves. I, I thought that was not happening anymore, and he was doing a new thing. Uh, he's he's put that on hold because of the documentary that uh, he's working on, or that um, will be coming out in November. I actually had the pleasure of seeing it yeah. earlier this week. I did too. I did too. What did you think? I thought it was pretty cool because. You know, growing up in in North Jersey, I was oblivious to that whole L.A. scene, and it was, you know, very informative, and it made, you know, things sort of sound like if, you know, if you got to California, at least there was enough money to go around for bands to sort of make a living just playing that circuit, more or less. It's a shame that, you know, that isn't around anymore. Yeah. And you know, you know what? Not to cut you off, but you know what I liked about the documentary a lot because I, there's so much that we've read and seen about you know the, where things really blew up in in the you know mid '80s in LA. But I really appreciated the fact that he w- took it back much further than that, like tr- really right. to the m- mid '70s. You know, we were hearing about. Um, how hard rock was was starting what was going on on the strip and it, it, with the LA scene at that point and i definitely got an education on on how that whole thing built you know before van halen was a part of the scene i thought i thought he i thought he did a good job at laying that at laying the story out and bringing in so many different interviews uh to tell that history so uh, yeah it's it's definitely a great documentary and I wish him the best of luck with it. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and Bob has been cool behind the scenes with me as well. So n- nothing but, uh, but positive vibes for me. Cool. Uh, Bob, um, the other shows that were on there were, as I mentioned, Scott and focus on metal, right? Another great show. One of the best sounding podcasts out there. I mean, I don't know what kind of mic that guy has, but it, Man, it always sounds so so great. And another guy who did a did a great job with his with his show. I hope he keeps it going. Yeah, he has to have an amazing studio because uh, people like um, uh, Dave Reffitt and there's there's another guitarist that slips my mind right now that was associated with Dave out there in the the Massachusetts area that um, uh, that. that that record demos out of out of his studio. Right. So, uh, not only does he have great, you know, um, a great setup for his podcast, he's also got a, a fairly decent studio set up where actual world-renowned musicians are there. Nice. Demoing stuff. There's also the guys from Iron City Rocks, and uh, there's uh, Wiki Metal down in Brazil, who for the most part their shows are done. In Portuguese, but now and then they have uh, shows in English, and uh, there were a few other shows, but the, that was more or less the core of of the Cast Iron Ring. It was definitely, you know, uh, I, w- I would say that, you know, again, Scott, uh, John from Iron City Rocks, Rock from Radioactive Metal, and and Bob and myself, and and Dario down in in Brazil or, or were basically the core of that network and were basically the guys that were going back and forth behind the scenes, uh, really talking each other's podcasts up and uh, just talking about different musical items behind the scenes or how, you know, so-and-so came off in an interview or, or whatnot. So it is definitely a shame that the, um, that that podcasting uh, network is no longer around, but like I said, we we did set up a I think a a, a lasting uh, friendship between cool. all the podcasters, and I do think that you'll see us all jump on one another's shows from time to time. Excellent. First off, we're going to do a lot of music on today's show. So, Victor, why don't you tell the listeners what you have in store for them today? Absolutely. Uh, basically. 
just to sort of expand upon what I mentioned a little earlier on the show, what we're going to do is a bunch of uh, different themed series for Mars Attack, similar to the classic album series. Uh, this will be the sort of pilot for the Decades series, where we touch upon albums or songs or movements or wherever the conversation takes us for songs or albums that come out today that came out in this case back in 04, 94, 84, and 74 to sort of cover various topics from over the years and just talk about how maybe different albums influenced, you know, uh, other bands or how they affected us as music fans, things along uh, along those lines. And, and there will be more shows that go in different directions that you'll be hearing hopefully within the next few weeks. And we'll take things from there. Anyways, let's get into the music, man. So what, where, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with 2014 or, or how far, you know, what year are we going to start with here? Let's start with 2014. Let, let's start in the present because there, there's been a interesting video that was released, I believe, earlier this week. And, and I was reading online today that feminists are getting involved and getting all upset with it. Um, the, the name of this track is Mother Loaded is by Mastodon, and I really enjoyed this Mastodon album. You it's know, great. it's got mediocre reviews, but I think it's great. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I, I would honestly, if if I do a top five so far this year, it's it's in my personal top five. I'm with you too. Now, the The problem is you have too many, you know, diehards per se that want them to you know, redo uh, their first album over and over again. And the band has continuously said, you know, we're never going back in that direction. We grew up on Thin Lizzy. We grew up on Kiss. We grew up on, you know, all these 70s hard rock bands. And as time goes on, we're going to be, you know, going in that direction. They've said it time and time again. So it's, you know, it's surprising that people still come back and say, oh, no, 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 well, we we want you to do another Levi Leviathan. Right. They've been, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Even if they do that, they're not going to be able to top that album. I mean, look at Metallica and Death Magnetic. They they went back in a, you know, and they tried to do an old school direction, and you still had a lot of people that pissed and moaned about it and said that it couldn't stand up to those classic albums. So I think... In the end, the band just has to do what they want to do. I agree. I agree. Cool. Well, let's check this out, and we'll come back and talk some more and hear some more music. <laughs>
Did you get to check that video out, Mark? I haven't seen it yet, no, but you got me curious, and I definitely will be checking that out, hopefully today or, or sometime soon, because I love the song, I love the album, and like you like you said, I think it will be possibly in my top five, definitely my top ten from 2014. Some other Another record that I'm digging is, is the California Breed record, which you actually turned me on to. Any thoughts on that one? That album is definitely top 10 for me as well. It is great yeah. start to finish. And uh, when I first listened to that album, I was hesitant because I thought that what they'd done, what they did with the previous band, Black Country Commune, just didn't speak to me. They had some cool tracks, but they just sort of couldn't get all the parts together. It reminds me of a lot of these quote unquote super groups where. The sort of the sum of the parts just doesn't add up to that much. Uh, they they don't get all the talent out, or it just goes off in sort of a poppy direction, or something that I don't want to hear personally. And with this, just listening to the from the first track all the way to the end, I think that I mean, geez, Glenn Hughes' voice is amazing. His bass playing is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Jason Bonham really does great on this album it's the first time in a long time where i mean yes he's still playing the the typical you know bonham signature sound but at the same time it seems like like they really had no pressure like right when i listen to the other band um joe bonamassa does nothing for me in in that band yeah. i'm waiting for him to, to to just break loose and it just never happens 
Yeah, I don't know the kid's name. They have playing guitar, but he's a young kid in California breed, and he's 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 great. Yeah, I want to quickly just mention. I find that it's it's completely weird that they basically got rid of Joe and complained that Joe didn't have time to tour and didn't have time to you know to devote everything they wanted to the to the band. So they basically got rid of him. Got this new kid got a new name california breed and now california breed is going on tour and jason bonham can't do it so they have joey castillo from queens of the stone age and danzig doing the tour with him but i I found that kind of weird i mean it's like how jason bonham was i actually heard him in person when i was when i saw him play in montclair new jersey complain about joe's lack of commitment to the the project and here they are going on tour and jason isn't going to do it and it's only a short tour too. It's not anything major, so it's it. I think it. I think that's honestly strange and disappointing. I love Joey as a drummer, Joey Castillo, but definitely dis- uh, disappointed. Is that his name, Joey Castillo? I think it is, right? Yeah. I'm definitely disappointed that he that Jason Bonham is not doing the the tour with California Breed. Anyways, let's uh, let's move on. We're gonna jump back another ten years. We just heard Mastodon from 2014. Now, Victor, you're taking us back to 2004, right? That's it. We're going back ten years, and we're hitting up 2004. There, there were so many cool albums that I think came out during this year, and it it sucks that a lot of people always say that after a certain decade that no good new music came out, and and I would have to say that that, to me, is totally false, because I think every year something worthwhile comes out. In 2004, you had such albums as Dio's Master of the Moon. You had Dave Mustaine putting the Megadeth banner back out there with The System Has Failed. You had Dave Grohl with Probot. And you had that first Velvet Revolver album. Right. The one sort of track and album that really stands out to me, because I do think it... It became not only a blueprint for this band, but it also became a, a blueprint for the quote-unquote metalcore scene and, and so many other bands that have come after in the last 10 years that have really tried to you know, copy what this band has done. It's Kill Switch Engage, and, and I do totally. think that this track, The End of Heartache, to me, is one of the best tracks that that's come out in the last 25 years. I think it has... Everything going forward with the melody, with the heaviness, with just the whole package that it delivers. And I honestly think that the band has never sort of recovered from this track because they've always seemed to try to find this song on on each one of their albums. Not to say that their albums are bad. It's just that they're trying to recapture what they what they did with this track because it was so good. Uh, yeah, it's a very powerful song. Howard sounds great singing on this song, and yeah. the production's great, and definitely, definitely one of the better tracks of 2004, in my opinion. Killswitch Engage, such a, a great band, a band that I related to a little more than some of the other, you know, New, New England metalcore bands, just because they had that great sense of of melody. I mean, you know, Hatebreed is never. I, I I respect what they do. I, I I think they seem like good guys. However, they've never really grabbed me. Uh, you know, they've never really tugged on my heartstrings, if you will, like Killswitch Engage did back around this time frame. You had a chance to interview these guys when when you guys had the Fuse show going on, and yeah, you've always talked really well about them. Just how Howard related with you um to some of the bands from that area that weren't signed or, or yeah 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 definitely he mentioned gargantuan soul g soul my friend opus's band as being an influence on him you know they they we had mexican with them before their show a mexican dinner with them before their show at the long beach arena in la and or outside of la and they were nice guys. They weren't super relatable. I mean, you know, when I, I felt Howard opened up, I remember when we were talking with him, he was kind of quiet and to himself. And when we spoke about Striper, Kiss, and the New England scene is when we he really kind of opened up and, and came out of his, his shell a little bit. But 
they, they seemed like nice guys. I won't, wouldn't say they were the. It was the most relatable, personable interview we've ever done, and we've definitely had had worse interviews too. And when I say worse, I just mean when, when you sit down with somebody and, and you you sometimes catch a vibe like, okay, they're into this, they're they're excited to talk to me, or they're not excited to talk to me. Or they're just kind of like, eh, whatever. And that was kind of like the vibe I got from Kill Switch Engage. So let's do it. Let's jump into The End of Heartache, which is also the title track off of this album. Going back to 2004, this is Kill Switch Engage.
That was The End of Heartbreak by Killswitch Engage, a great, great band out of, what, Connecticut or Massachusetts? I think it's Massachusetts. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm not, I'm not positive. Anyways, that was 2004, guys, and all the music you're hearing today was picked by Victor, the host of Mars Attacks. Go to Victor's website. It is marsattacksradio.com. Show your love with a PayPal donation. Use those Amazon links. Do what you can to support Mars Attacks. Leave a review on iTunes. And now, Victor, you're going to take us back another decade, 1994. That's it. The much maligned 90s where, again, a lot of people say that metal died or metal sucked. But, again, so many great albums that came out in this year. Uh, for heavy music in general, you have Alice in Chains' Jar of Flies, which, although acoustic, was a very powerful album in in my opinion. You had uh, Bruce Dickinson's first post-Iron Maiden album, Balls to Picasso. You had Dio's Strange Highways. Motley nice. Crue's outing with John Karabi. The right on, yeah. Motley wow. Yeah. Um, you had Soundgarden's Super Unknown. You had uh, Dream Theater's Awake. The uh, Jeez, some great, great records that year. Wow, I never really thought of '94 as being such a amazing year, but wow, those yeah. are great ones. And and some of them very very influential. I think you have uh, Nine Inch Nails' Downward Spiral. You have Corn. Wow, uh, first album, their um, self titled album Corn, which you know right. changed the whole generation oh yeah yeah and whether you like corn or not yeah. i mean that album was so so influential on on the sounds that would follow absolutely you had bands like slayer changing and down tuning and using seven strings and and things like that just because corn was doing it so right uh the last album that i want to mention here is a band that you were hugely a fan of and similar to what we talked about with the inside metal uh documentary i'm a i would say i'm a casual fan of the band but i would say that you're probably a more knowledgeable fan of this band than i am and it would be caius and right their album welcome to sky valley yeah cool cool caius the band that kind of gave birth to queens of the stone age if you will and you know, Nick Oliveri, who's gone on to do stuff not only with Queens of the Stone Age, but Mondo Generator and solo stuff. And it's been announced that Josh from Caius fame and Nick also from Caius fame. And of course, they played on those two Queens of the Stone Age records rated R and songs for the deaf, which seem to be the fan favorites among Queens of the Stone Age. They will reunite this Halloween in L.A. for five or six songs at the Queens of the Stone Age show. So a kind of Queens of the Stone Age Caius reunion happening with two of the prominent members of Caius. Do you think this will lead to anything with either one of those two bands? I hope so, man. I would love to see Nick back in Queens of the Stone Age. And I think it would not that they not that Queens of the Stone Age is hurting with ticket sales as far as I know, but I think it would uh give some excitement and some great press to to the band and definitely help them sell some tickets, maybe fill some bigger venues to have Nick back in the band, even if it's just for one tour. And who knows? It'd be great if they could get Dave Grohl to do a tour with them too. That would be a lot of fun. But who knows? Who knows if it'll lead to anything? My fingers are crossed. But yeah, man, so 1994. If you had a, a choice of a track to play off of this album... What would you pick? Oh, I don't know. There's so many great ones. You do you have one on on deck that you're planning on playing? Uh, well, the the one that all the um, stoner bands have always talked about when I've interviewed them is uh, Super Scoopa and the Mighty Scoops. So that was the one that I intended on playing. Okay, definitely go for it. <laughs> Like I can't live without you. 
there you have a little Caius from the album Welcome to Sky Valley, going all the way back to 1994. This is, yeah. again, the, the pilot episode of our decade series that we're trying out here. Yeah, and that was a great record. Another great song off that record was called Demon Cleaner, which sounds very Queens of the Stone Age-esque. Out of all the Caius songs, I feel like Demon Cleaner off off the Sky Valley record sounded the most like Queens of the Stone Age. And another little side note about Demon Cleaner on Welcome to Sky Valley by Caius, which came out again in 1994. Tool used to cover that song occasionally in concert. Huh, no kidding. Did not know that. Yeah. I used to, back in the days of Napster, I had a, a download, a live bootleg <clears throat> bootleg download of Tool covering that. And Sky Valley also produced by the great Chris Goss, who a lot of people feel was highly influential on not only the Kaya sound, but the Queens of the Stone Age sound. Welcome to Sky Valley. One other note, and then we'll move on. Nick Oliveri, who I mentioned, didn't play on that record, as far as I, I remember. It's Scott I think Reeder. it was there. Yeah, Scott Scott Redder, right? Reader, Redder, I don't know. Anyways, yeah, so another 10 years, Victor. That was 1994. Now we are jumping back to what? 84. And, and this is another unbelievable year because this is just going to be a few of the albums that came out in 84. I mean, 94 seems like a big deal, had a lot of great albums, a lot of influential things that came out, but we go back to 84, and it seems like Dio is always in the mix. Every 10 years, he's putting out a, a great album. Um, he wasn't putting out baseballs at the time. Right. <laughs> Good albums. So uh, you had Dio, The Last in Line, Dawkins, Tooth and Nail, Iron Maiden, Power Slave, wow. Kiss with Animal Eyes, Crocus with The Blitz, which was a hugely popular album back then. Judas Priest with Defenders of the Faith, Queensryche, which an album that I know you're a huge fan of, The Warning. Uh, Love it, yeah. Rat with Out of the Cellar, Scorpions with Love at First Thing, Twisted Sister yeah. with Stay Hungry, Van Halen with 1984, and Deep Purple got back together and did Perfect Strangers. Wow. Yeah, so many great records came out in 1984. For me, that was just the floodgates not only with heavy metal with albums like you know ride the lightning which to me was just such a monumental game-changing record but you know also on the pop side purple rain i mean that was for me that was a big record i love purple rain so many great stuff springsteen put out born in the usa that that year which at the time i freaking despised and hated and many years later i kind of got into it there's a there's a few really great songs on born in the usa not necessarily the title track but i hated it because it was so popular but i i got respect for uh springsteen a number of years later and you too the unforgettable fire wow what what a year for music not only heavy music but just music in general yeah ab absolutely and it's hard or at least it was hard for me to pick one of these and uh, I, I do appreciate you there covering for me with Ride the Lightning. I forgot to write it down on the list, although it was in my original bigger list. Um, but the, the one album that I wanted to feature is Defenders of the Faith by Judas Priest. It's nice. It's sort of a shame that uh, British Steel almost over, overshadows everything that they put out because it obviously sold the most. But they had a string there. Between British Steel, Screaming for Vengeance, and Defenders of the Faith, which to me laid a foundation for so many bands that came out after them um, to influence just you know countless numbers of bands and countless numbers of, uh, or I should say not only musically, but how bands dressed, uh, right. how they performed on stage. Uh, this time period, as you're saying, you know, had so many great albums that I remember hearing, you know, although we've discussed this in the past, tracks off of Defenders of the Faith late at night on, 
you know, mainstream rock radio, but you were able to hear Prince, you were able to hear Springsteen, you two mixed in with, you know, your occasional hard rock band. So, you know, it was definitely a point in time where there was a lot of really good music going. Yeah. And this Priest record, Defenders of the Faith, was such a, a big album in my life. And like you mentioned, Tim, such a great string of records there. I, for me personally, the I love Sad Wings of Destiny, which was obviously a early Priest record, their second record. But for me, the classic era of Priest is Hellbent for Leather, known in Europe as The Killing Machine, which came out in 78, through Defenders of the Faith, which came out in 1984, British Steel, Point of Entry, Screaming for Vengeance, Defenders of the Faith. Oh, wow, what what a amazing bunch of records they were. And Richie Faulkner, the current guitar player of Judas Priest, told me, I think he may have told me after the interview I did with him and Glenn Tipton recently, because I think I mentioned in that in that interview to those guys that Defenders is my favorite Priest record. And after we turned off the microphones, he said to me, you know what? Mine is too. I love that record. So great record and a very influential record on so many people. Halford, such an amazing character in the history of heavy metal. I was recently talking to somebody who didn't really understand metal. And it was kind of ironic that Halford, who most of us knew back in the day, was was gay. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no big surprises on my end when he came out of the closet in the the 90s because we've all we always kind of knew that and had heard stories but so many of these rockers whether they were la guys or or london guys or what or new york guys they they embraced the spandex even pantera i mean look at them the spandex the big hair the the whole glammy look if you will and I hate to say poser, but posery look. But Halford was a guy who he never even had long hair, really. I mean, occasionally in the early days he had he had longer hair, and then on Turbo he grew it out a little bit in the back, not much. But he he went on stage with a buzz cut, and in in the the heavy metal world of the early to mid '80s, that was unheard of. Yeah. You know, you had to have hair, you had to have big hair. And here's a guy, he just didn't give a damn. You know, he had a, a buzz cut. He went on stage and he had a different look about him. He had a different vibe. He was definitely a leader and a follower, not only with with his music and the music he was producing and putting out to us, but also with his look and his just his attitude. And uh, great, great guy and such an amazing character to come out of the heavy metal world and and a prominent character in heavy metal history one of the godfathers without a doubt i wanted to jump into one track off of this a track yeah. that um was covered a few years back by machine head actually uh this is the sentinel by judas priest coming off of defenders of the faith Thank you. 
just heard was the sentinel by judas priest great one victor you're picking some great songs today judas priest their first record actually came out in the the year we are now jumping back to another 10 years back in time to 1974 that was rock rockarola right but you are going to actually talk about a different band that put out some some great music in 1974 tell us Absolutely. There there were a bunch of cool albums that came out that year, including three predominant bands that put out two albums. Priest, or not Priest, excuse me, Deep Purple, Kiss, and Queen all put out two albums in 74. You also had Aerosmith's Get Your Wings. But an album and guitarist that I think are heavily influential, not only with the birth of Thrash, but with Scandinavian metal after that, uh, and so many other guitars. Hell, he even had a spell uh, with Ozzy's band, supposedly after Randy Rhodes died, and it never went beyond a uh, rehearsal, supposedly. But uh, this would be UFO. The album is Phenomenon, and the guitarist is Michael Shanker, who Dave Mustaine is credited as an influence. Michael Lamott has, James Hetfield. The list goes on and on, and... Um, I was actually on a Michael Shanker kick a few weeks back uh, where I just listened to a bunch of his UFO material and a bunch of his MSG material and absolutely love a lot of the stuff that he's done over the years. What I find to be a shame, and and this is something that uh, we've discussed on many occasions and with various listeners, I know uh, Donnie G has mentioned this also, We've talked to him. How maybe some younger listeners don't appreciate some of what uh, Michael Shanker has done and doesn't, or they can't get a grasp on UFO actually laying a foundation for metal and Michael uh, actually laying a foundation for a lot of solo players uh, that were to come after him. Right on. Right on. Yeah, I mean, it's it, UFO is a band that I appreciate and and enjoy certain things, but they were never like I never went super crazy for them, and I almost feel like maybe I was a couple years too too late for them. Right. They weren't a band that got a lot of airplay on the FM radio stations in the cities I I lived in growing up, except for maybe Lights Out in London, a track that I like. Um, a lot, but it, it, it's uh, it, it's without a doubt, it's a fact that these guys were so important to the hard rock and heavy metal scene. Guys like Martin Popoff and Eddie Trunk, who I don't know how much older those guys are than me. I'm guessing at least five years, maybe seven, eight years older than me. Those guys will tell you how important and how great 
UFO were in in their music evolution, if you will. So, uh, so yeah, without a doubt, a very important band that many times does not get mentioned in the same breath as Zeppelin and Sabbath and Deep Purple when we talk about the uh, the, the founders of, of heavy metal and hard rock. Absolutely. So let's wrap things up with a track from UFO. Uh, before doing that, just want to remind you guys to go over to talkingmetal.com subscribe to um, all the great talking metal digital shows right there on iTunes subscribe to talking metal or Mars attacks individually as well we're all up there on iTunes stitcher or you could just pull the uh, RSS off of that if if you ha- if you're using a different program uh, you could go to the home pages and pull that off Um also want to thank Mark for coming on and making this first um, this first adventure into these decades programs, uh, making it happen. Yeah, I like it, man. I think it's a great idea, and I look forward to hearing more. And if you want me involved in more, I would love to uh, come back and do another one with you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure I will be hitting you up in the future to do so. Cool. All right, guys, we'll have a great one, and we will go out here with some UFO, right? Yeah, this is UFO with the track Rock Bottom.
for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show.